right, welcome to the fourth episode of the RamblingBeachCat.com podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Seth. And uh, if you are still with us after the last episode... God have mercy on your soul. I'm impressed. Because <laughs> I don't know if I would have stayed after what Seth did on air. I'm not sure I would have stayed. If you could smell it through the microphone. It's pretty bad. We're going to talk a little bit today. We're going to keep this a little bit more focused. It's going to be Kentucky stuff first, then geek stuff, then, of course, Dale questions. And I didn't say the wrong thing, didn't I? Dale stories. We're going to talk about some Dale stories in which our lives were in danger. And Dale actually in one is the hero. Really? The hero? You could have died. Well, yeah, that's true. Okay. (laughs) You you owe me yourself. Oh, no. So we'll talk about that. (laughs) And then we're also going to answer a few uh, listener questions, starting to get in some questions. If you want to send questions, then send them to questions at ramblingbeachcat.com or questions at ramblingbeachcast.com. If you're sitting there at your computer, you're like, wait, oh, oh, I have this question that I have to ask about why it burns when I pee, and I can't remember if it's Rambling Beach Cat or Rambling Beach Cast. Either one will work. Questions at ramblingbeachcat.com or questions at ramblingbeachcast.com All questions are welcome. I can, we can answer any question. It literally, the worse your question is, the more likely we'll answer it on air. I think you'll understand that. Yep. We're done here. So, let's go ahead. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Kentucky sports. You know, it's funny. I think that pep talk from uh, Fake Lou Holtz a couple weeks ago is really making a difference. It's getting people excited. Yeah, because... I'm now, excited. I I have to admit I I can't believe this when I'm excited now I'm you know what this reminds me of this reminds uh, and again I am not flipping my view I still think that we won't make a bowl this year I, look I will happily if Seth and I are wrong in this I will sit here and cook crow on the show and eat it I mean I will I would love to eat crow I still don't think we have a chance at all to make a bowl but. It reminds me of Rich Brooks's first year where things really turned around. I remember we were all saying, oh, Rich Brooks is back. This is going to be terrible. And the staff was real positive, and the players were positive, and, and there was a bit of a, well, I don't think there's a quarterback controversy. I think Curtis Poley had been kicked off the team by that point. Yeah, he got kicked off the team the first of the year. Yeah, but we were all like, oh, Woodson, he can't do anything. And then Yeah, he had a, a very disappointing foray in his, his sophomore season when he uh, took over. Uh, there, there's some differences between that year's team and and this year's team. Oh, they, huge ones. Namely, I think talent. Well, <laughs> ta- yeah, and and senior talent. Yeah. yeah. The 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 fact that we had senior leadership at the key uh, skill positions. Yeah. Is a huge difference between the the 2006 team and and this team. But. A couple of things, uh, and again, I'm saying the feeling. I'm not saying it is, okay? Please don't quote me on it. But, you know, you have the staff saying that this is the most, you know, this is the most productive, best positive offseason. You have Randy Sanders, who I trust him on anything. He's the one who came in and made Woodson, you know, I mean, he's the one who turned Woodson around. And he's, been, yeah, Coach yeah. Woodson, Peyton Manning, yeah, T. I mean, Martin. I mean, all, all those guys. Sanders has been their quarterback coach. He was there at Tennessee. Now he's with us. And now he's the offensive coordinator. He says it's the best offseason we've had. And I'm like, what? And credit him for the Tennessee win. 
Yeah, right. coming up with a game plan where we could beat we without a beat quarterback, without a, with a wide receiver. Yeah, so I mean, something. if Randy Sanders is saying it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a big deal to me. And like, I'm I'm reading right now tweets from bleebluekentucky.com. If you if you ever go to them, a good site. And they're saying UK has a chance to have two All SEC linebackers this year with uh, Brad Dupree and Avery Williamson, which. You know, I mean, I, they were decent players last year, but I, in fact, well, did Avery? I don't even remember Avery Williamson. No, Bud Dupree saw some saw good action. Yeah, uh, I don't know about Avery Williamson, but, but we, for some reason, it, it's like Kentucky becoming punter. You for some reason, we've had a long succession well, of good linemen. Well, hold on, their next line is Chuck Smith, who's our not the band director at Lafayette, but Chuck Smith, <laughs> the uh, the he's been the linebacker coach now for eight years, and you know he really doesn't get enough credit. I mean, Kentucky really has churned out some linebackers. Yeah, lots you know, of NFL talent right now. Yeah, I mean we we churn out linebackers right now. You wouldn't think Kentucky would be linebacker you, but it's it's got a decent reputation for that. Also, to make the point, UK defense is way ahead this year compared to last year because they have a year under Rick Minter, nuclear Minter, nuclear Minter. Under his I think schemes. He hates that. He hates that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the people say the defense was bad last year. It wasn't. It's just that they had to play the entire game. Yeah, when you're on the field that long, uh, you're gonna you're gonna give up points. And and the the depth was the main issue. You know, our starters, I think our starters could compete with with the SEC generally. Yeah. But it's it's where Alabama's second string and their third string. Yeah. The, the best players in the world get tired yeah. in, in the third and fourth quarter. Well, and let's talk about skill position a little bit. You know, we got the linebackers. First thing that's big right now, I'm blown away by what I've been hearing. Now, I, I can't see anything. Seth, you, you know a little bit more about this than me. I'm hearing that Morgan you – know, I'd, I'd written Morgan Newton off. I was like, forget. You know. Sure. But I'm hearing he actually is making a run at the starting spot. Now, based on what – you know, like you were talking to me about how he did at Fanda. I, I don't know. Uh, but I'm just hearing he's he had a really like he's basically he's made this into a controversy now when it looked like Maxwell Smith had the job locked down. Yeah, the coaches are saying that Maxwell Smith is your starter as of now. Well, no, Joker recently said he doesn't know who the starter is. Well, going going into this fall camp at, at as of then Maxwell Smith was the starter, yeah. and it's hard to put a lot of stock in just the fan day scrimmages because Maxwell Smith threw a couple picks. Uh, Patrick Towles, you know, his first throw was a pick. Nice. <laughs> so, and Morgan Newton threw two great deep balls, but that really wasn't. <laughs> you just said great. Deep I did. Balls. Yeah. <laughs> okay, those are great deep balls. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. <clears throat> uh, Focus. I'm trying. <laughs> that really wasn't the issue with his game. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, he he has always been a pretty strong performer in practice, and we would always hear about the the strides in development he was making. The problem was when you got him in a game situation. Unfortunately, this is something we're not going to be able to tell it until if he and when he plays. Mm-hmm. The deer in the headlights. Yeah, that was uh, the worst memory I have of him was when we were playing Western Kentucky last year, and we were deep in our own territory. Snap the ball. Morgan Newton takes four or five steps backward, trips on himself, and falls down at the three yard line. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm worried about, Morgan Newton with and and there's again not gonna be any way to tell until we put him in a game time situation yeah so i'm not gonna put a whole lot of stock in the the fan day the media day the and the recent scrimmages that that they've done so i mean we've got a about we got a little less than a month now 
until kickoff. Okay. And personally, I think, based on the given track record, I think Maxwell Smith's going to be the starter. Yeah. Well, here, here's my thing with Matt. When I was impressed when we put Maxwell Smith in is that, like you said, Morgan Newton, I thought it was a lot because he'd had SEC experience, but and I hate saying a SEC kid's not... SEC or STD? That was rude. No, SEC experience. I just, okay. okay. Just making sure. But, but what makes me kind of mad is like, you know, I know, look, I know I'm not a football player. If I saw 300-pound people running towards me, I'd fall down too. But I'm not a scholarship. I'm not a... You fall down when I run at you. That, that's another subject. Let's, <laughs> but here's the thing is that he... I'm he your would, SEC lineman, Nick. He would sit there and like, I mean, he would take a couple steps and just drop. Maxwell Smith, the two things that impressed me about him was, number one, his footwork. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like like Morgan Newton just had a lead weight sometimes on his foot. He dropped back and just stand and get like like Maxwell Smith could. His footwork was just a lot more active. Yeah, poise and balance yeah. in the pocket. And he would step up and just take massive hits and throw it still. And you know, I wonder sometimes. It's like you know, that's what you were talking about—the game situation. What's going to happen when those helmets don't have Kentucky on them anymore? What's going to happen when those helmets have Louisville? Those helmets have Florida. I mean, he takes the red protective jersey off. Yeah, I mean, that's season. that's the part. So, how much do you think, I mean, because we're really saying, I mean, you're hearing all types of stuff coming out of camp now about how great this offseason's been, how much better this team is. People like Randy Sanders, who lived through, I guess what you'd call her glory years with Rich Brooks. That's a little weird. 75. Hey, now, for Kentucky. music city bowl. Now, wait a second, though. Before we make fun of it, there was a time where going to a bowl was like reason to shut down the state. Sure. Rich Brooks turned it to an expectation. That's a big jump. We went to that first music city bowl. We went there. Seth and I went together. We did. We had a little date to Nashville. We, we we saw some Notre Dame fans there even. Yeah, that was fun. I yelled, <laughs> get a conference! Yeah, <laughs> they were carrying their big Notre Dame uh, flag, yeah. flag or something. And, they're, and they're, at that point, I think it was their 0-4 bowl record. Well, they were, yeah, they were, yeah, they were 0-9 in, in, in their recent bowls, and they were chanting BCS because they, they went 8-4 and four, were going to the Sugar Bowl or something. Yeah. So, But that's the thing is, I, you know, Rich Brooks kind of elevated that level. Now, so I mean, how much do you think? So I mean, Rick, if Randy Sanders is saying this is the best off season we've had, and he didn't say that to media; he just said that to some fans, and they repeated it and it went around. I mean, do you think it's coach speak? I mean, that's that's really strong coach speak. There is a, that could be part of it. There is a level of gamesmanship being played be, between coaches uh, from UK and co- and the coaches at Louisville. There's always the first game of the year. There's all this build up. You don't. There's a certain level of uh, one upsmanship, you know, not for the other team not to know who your quarterback's going to be, but I think this honestly is a genuine competition. I think we generally have these four people who could potentially be our starter, and that kind of competition is healthy. In that way, I'm kind of glad we're not just stuck with Morgan Newton. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to you know last year. Okay, you got some other stuff with skill positions. Coaches are not happy with Lorod King. They talked about how they think he's goofed off too much. He joined a fraternity. Uh, this is his senior year. I think the kid has NFL-level talent, but I don't think he's shown it yet. But, I mean, he's the leader on defense now. Yeah, this uh, Lorod King? Lorod King, yeah. On offense, you mean? I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I will on smack offense, you yeah. later. Yeah, on offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has, he has NFL-level talent. He's got great hands, great speed. And he, he there were flashes of it, but... This, felt like this he, was a guy who Joker was talking about using in the Wildcat position yeah. last year, and to have somebody who could potentially replace Randall Cobb. Yeah, didn't happen. Didn't work out that way. Look, but, you're going to call me crazy. I think Lorod King 
athletically might be a better receiver naturally than Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb just has that intangible that nobody has. You know, sure, Randall Cobb is undersized. He's shorter, yeah. yeah. Leroy King's physically... Yeah, he's definitely he's taller and more... He's got some potential star power this season. If anyone's going to step up, it's going to be him or the younger guys that we got. Robinson, yeah. who had an ACL who everyone was freaking out about, and then he tore his ACL. He'll be back. Instead, we've got a lot of younger guys who will be back this year. But, I mean, I've heard from practice. Well, I haven't heard anything, I haven't heard anything about receivers. I was hearing terrible things before, and now I hear nothing. All we know is that we finally have an actual receivers coach to yeah, teach about a catch ball. We'll repeat it again. T. Martin, Deep one of my ball. first follow, Yeah, one Great of my first followers balls. on Twitter, so I can't. Great recruiter. Great coach. But he even said in an interview he didn't know how to coach wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. have a receivers coach. Uh, skill positions, we know we're catch loaded at running back. You've got balls. Mobley and Clemens, and I mean we're we're fine. I mean last year we kept losing running backs and just replacing them. Yeah, we were down we were down to what our third third string running back, Koshik Williams, who and he was <laughs> pretty beastly. <laughs> I mean he's yeah he, he's severely undersized. He's fast, but somebody along the the size of what you would think of like a, a Reggie Bush, who's viewed as not an every down back. He's uh, not a bruiser. He's not going to... Well, we can't pay Koshy Williams what they paid Reggie Bush at USC. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, USC. Oh, wait, one thing. Speaking of USC, did you hear about that player that committed to USC instead of Tennessee, and his reason was they lost to Kentucky. When you lose oh, to Kentucky, yeah, you yeah. lose to everybody. Yeah. I mean, that Oh, that has to fire up some players. Some, you know, It's too bad. Well, actually, I don't want to play USC. That'd be scary. But, I mean... Even when we beat Tennessee, we get knocked. Sure. You know, so I don't I mean, the players are, are excited. Tennessee will be better this year. They're not going to, still not going to be nearly as good as they has as, as they have been. I think anything can happen with that rivalry game as we saw last year. Mm-hmm. It would be awesome if we could beat, beat them in Knoxville. Yeah. yeah. Plus you have Cassidy coaching defensive backs now. And, uh, I mean, it's a little tough. We lost Marcus Caffey's being replaced by Nellums, who was playing safety. That's his natural position anyways. But he hasn't played it for a whole year. That's true. Yeah. There's but, not there there's not a whole lot of difference in terms of the the position of safety and cornerback, other than the cornerbacks are generally expected to have greater speed. Yeah. But he does have have experience doing that. Well, I gotta say, I mean I'm feeling positive, but I still stand by I don't think we'll go to a bowl. But I would love nothing more to be wrong. I still, I, I think it hinges on that Louisville game again. It, it, if we win that game and have the potential to uh, finish off our cupcakes, yeah, and sneak out some kind of win, I think Mississippi State at home mm-hmm. is going to be a huge game for us. We have not had a good track record against against Mississippi State in in recent years. I don't know where the other wins are going to come from if we don't win Louisville and Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, Joker is doing all the right things right now. He had an interview on KSR with he, Matt Williams. He finally showed. He got pumped up. He's he's excited. Uh, he's challenged the fans. He's made the point that the very good point that the fans are the selling point for this program right now. The yeah. Fa- the fact that. We show up as much as we do. The fan, the, the fact that we still care mm-hmm. about football is a main selling point for recruits. And and they can complain about they have a a beef, rightly so, with facilities. But that's that's but, not my problem. My problem was when him and Mitch stood up there. So you just you don't listen to what the fans say. And so true. we all okay. 
you don't get season ticket money. They, they, they need to do a better... I think that's the one part Joker needs to address of that, those type of statements that were made in the middle of the year. Yeah. The, the best way that they're going to get the fan support back is putting notches in the wind column. I don't remember, Did Matt Jones say anything to him about those statements? I can't even remember. I don't know. Okay, I'll have to go back and listen. I can't remember if he did. But yeah, I mean, he went on, which that's a tough interview, and he went on and answered all, I mean, he was, and that's what he's doing. It was weird. Matt Jones kind of called him out saying, why isn't Joker on Twitter? Why isn't he doing all, and it was almost like, you know, he instantly was out there doing all this stuff make, and telling people, come on out here and do all this. I mean, Eat at Rafferty's. Yeah, no, he was not doing the uh, Tubby Smith Eat at Rafferty's. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I mean, Joker was out there doing all the things he has to, and I mean, that's the thing is, I, I think Joker... I want him to succeed. Yeah, I would love nothing more than to see. I mean, because it, it kills me. There's people in this league like Petrino that do well because you know Petrino's going to find another job somewhere. Sure. Here's a guy, Joker, who loves the school, wants to be loyal to the school, wants to stay here, and he's just not. And I thought he was good on staff. I thought he was a great. And I was, I was pumped as anything when we landed as a coach and waiting. I really hope, like with Brooks years ago, I'm wrong with Joker. He he was a heartbeat away from going to Notre Dame. From becoming, I think their offensive coordinator. Really? I didn't yeah, know that. yeah, and that's that's. I think that's what brought on the whole coach and waiting thing. Yeah, it was to secure that position for him. Yeah. But I just, he's such a good person, and he's doing the right things in terms of representing Kentucky in, uh-huh. a, in a classy way, and I love him for that. You, know, you look at someone like Bobby Petrino. Yeah, you know, we're not going to see Joker on a scooter with a. Well, and, and let's be honest, we don't know what goes on in Joker's personal life, We're all, but as far as how he represents the university, I mean, he, you know, he does all, and he's doing a much better job of it now after kind of getting called out, so I really, I don't know, I hope all this positive stuff is, is real. We'll find yeah. out soon, but by the time this podcast is posted, we'll be pretty close to opening day. It'll pretty be, cl- it'll be, yeah, we'll have, I think, a week, a week or two before, uh, before the season starts. I'm just excited for college football in general. Football in general, hell, you know, oh, yeah. the, the program. It, it's right around this time, one month, you know, six weeks before the season starts, where I get the itch. I start to feel the. <laughs> I, it, get, I it, get the itch. Not, I get the itch all the time. Yeah, well, I, get, <laughs> not I have to go that, back to my doctor for yeah, that. Not, not an itch that needs ointment or treatment. <laughs> <laughs> Your, your prescription direct TV pills. Yeah. Are, 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 are spray. I don't have to shave for uh, yeah. for football season. But yeah. I, I just I'm usually okay from basketball season from the the end of uh, for the first part of April, especially since we're in the championship. May June I'm okay. Usually I can watch some of the NBA playoffs, and it's great that we have the Olympics right now because it, yeah. it kind of fills my uh, my sports fix. Mm-hmm. But yeah, six weeks out, I start jonesing for football real, real hard. Yeah, it's and I'll tell you if you're, I mean, I, I'm an NFL fan because um, I'm from Atlanta originally, so I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. Do you have an NFL team that you call your own, kind of? Well, I came. I spent a lot of time in Tennessee, so oh. I know, I know. Just hear me out. When the Oilers went from Houston to Tennessee, and uh-huh. for a little while they were the Tennessee uh, Oilers, yeah, I, I became a Titans fan. Um, Jeff Fisher was the coach there, and he was he was awesome. My whole most of my family are Broncos fans because we're originally from the Denver area, and yeah, because they used to be quarterbacked by Jesus. 
quarterback by Jesus. Uh, praise be. Now, wait, that's one thing. Praise be. Hold on, let's talk about the Broncos for a minute. If you're a Kentucky fan, for How do you reasons, not root for him. Now, hold on, for reasons I don't want to get on the podcast, there's a lot of stuff that I'd, you can look it up about Peyton Manning and his relationship with athletic trainers at Tennessee. But <laughs> Peyton Manning, and he's a Tennessee grad, so it's going to kill me a little bit to re- And I don't like the way they treated Tim Tebow. But with Jacob Tammy as his number one tight end target, a lot of people forget that when Jacob Tammy came in um, to fill in in Indianapolis, he was on fire. I remember our fantasy league; people were scrapping to pick sure. up Jacob Tammy, and he's going to be one of uh, he's going to be one of Peyton's primary targets. And then you've got Wesley Woodyard anchoring the defense. Uh, they did have Jarman. Jarman had targets at ACL. That's and then uh, I mean that's right there enough to watch yeah, some Broncos. Yeah, Peyton games. Manning requested Jacob Tammy. Yeah, he said. Bring this guy. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it was if his contract had ex, had expired with the Colts or uh, wasn't going to get picked up, but he specifically requested Jacob Tammy. So I'm I'm excited for that. Danny Tre- Trevathan on the Broncos. Yeah, that's Wait, gonna, he's on the. I thought he got drafted. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I'm thinking Winston Guy was gra- drafted with the Seahawks. That's yeah, what I'm getting yeah. to. Okay. Danny Trevathan and and granted he and uh, Wesley Woodyard are kind of battling for the same spot, but. They, they also had they also they had another UK linebacker that might have recently got waived, but yeah, the line the linebackers Jacob Tammy, uh, how can you not root for the Denver Broncos? And I'm it kind of hurts because I have been such a huge John L.A. fan mm. since it took him forever to win those two Super Bowls, and he went out on top, and that was the height of. Uh, they beat Denver. my Falcons for the second one. Right. I remember that. And they did. They beat Brett Favre, though. That's true. <laughs> they beat Brett Favre. <laughs> they beat Mr. Junk Shot himself. <laughs> yeah. He's just a gunslinger. One day we'll have to do a Brett Favre because my my hatred for Brett Brett Favre. Oh, it's well. well oh, it extends it. to. Uh, I probably shouldn't talk about it extending to anything. But I, <laughs> I I can't stand that man with a passion. And you know, you know what? Can I can I just go off topic? Here's one thing tangent, I don't understand. Tangent. Tiger Woods sleeps with a bunch of women who aren't his wife, and gets vilified. I'm okay with that. Okay, you should be faithful to marriage. I don't care how open minded you are about things. Cheating on your wife sucks. You, you know, I know I know good people who've done it, and they feel bad about it. But it still it sucks. And he did it with a lot of great. Okay, but he got vilified. I mean, really vilified. Sure. Brett Favre tries to cheat on his wife with multiple women. Because it wasn't just the beautiful Jen Sturger, who, if you're listening to this, which I know you're not, but if you are, I love you. Uh, the beautiful Jen Sturger. But also with, like, that trainer with the Vikings and all these other people who came forward and said, and then there's stuff that talk, that's talked about, you know, from his past and his wife yelling at him about the way he behaves. So you know what happened before. And is, Have you ever seen Brett Favre's wife? No, I haven't, but I would hate oh. to see what his phone looks like under a black light. Yeah, yeah but Brett Favre's <laughs> wife is, is... Now, I'm not saying, I mean... I guess that shouldn't be a factor, but it is. His his wife is is gorgeous, and uh, you know, breast cancer survivor, strong woman. He cheats on her, and people just want to stand up for him. I mean, you heard announcers just fawning over him during that season. He's just a good old boy. He's, he's just trying a good, to make just, a play. He's Crowd. just a gunslinger. He's just a good old boy. That's how he. How Wrangler. Yeah, I mean, really, is is because I mean, I'll just say it's because Tiger is because Tiger Tiger Woods is black. Well, no, I'm saying that because Tiger Woods cheats on a woman successfully, mind you. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, what a terrible person. Brett Favre so cheats on his cancer survivor wife, and they're like, well, he's just a good old boy. 
It's just a good old boy. It's just how he is. It's like really. Oh, and then he asked like John McCain. Yeah, at least the same thing. Yeah. At least Brett. You know, at least Tiger Woods was dedicated to his sport. Which I don't. Well, I don't know. There's a there's an analogy used, but the way Brett Favre was what a prima donna. Like when he was with the Jets, had to have his own special locker room. Do you know about that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah to have his own special locker room and the way he. Tr- I mean, and the way he constantly tried to get attention by pretending to retire every year. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting off time. Take a deep breath. Exhale. <laughs> We still have Kentucky F ball to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I had to, for Twitter, I had to, to, to shorten it to Kentucky. F-ball. I like that idea of just saying F ball. We'll call it that if the season goes bad. We'll call it football. We're like, well, an F ball today. When we're zero four going into Florida. Yeah, like F ball didn't go well. F and ball. All right, now if you want to, here's the one thing. Like I, I got feedback is like, for instance, one of my friends who's a sports guy was like, I wish you all stayed on sports. I didn't like all the geek stuff and. My first response to that was an obscene gesture that luckily you can't see. And my he second must, is he must have had a hot date. Yes, to go on. Well, actually, he runs a sports betting website, so I can. Um, he was getting valuable betting information from our <laughs> expert fact, analysis. Fact, we probably could have ruined him. <laughs> yeah. but he's been knocking on your door. Like, You're destroyed, man. I need a but, place uh, to live. But we're going to go into the geek section. So. Uh, if you want to fast forward on the podcast, at the point where you start hearing, ah, that's where we're <laughs> oh, the Dale yeah. stories. Everybody loves the Dale stories. How can you not yeah. love the Dale stories? And, and we're going to talk about one where Dale is actually a hero. So you got to stay for those. Dale, Seth hates when I bring that up. But we're going to go into geek. Today's yeah, one we're going to talk about is uh, comic book deaths. And before the podcast started, we were watching Max Landis, who, John Landis' son, he did the, uh, if, if you guys have seen Chronicle, which you haven't, you need to, great movie. He did that movie. He did a great YouTube video on the death of Superman and how stupid it was. Because I remember that. If you remember the death of Superman, if you're not old enough back in the 90s, they quote-unquote killed Superman. And, I mean, national news, people lined up around the it's block. The com- it's the comic book. It, it's one of them. I think, the most recognizable comic books in existence right now. It's the Superman logo in a black bag that's sealed. Yeah. And it would go for obscene prices. And then the white one came out. And it was the return of Superman. But there were four of them. Yeah. And I got that one. And they, they eventually reveal that, you know, this, they've had a plan the whole time. Superman's going to come back. And, and he made the point that after that, comic deaths really didn't mean anything. And you have to understand, like, right now, Seth and I, well, oh. Have you read Walking Dead 100 yet? No, I haven't. Okay, a major character dies in that. And uh, thank you for your courteous spoiler alert. Yeah, major character dies in that, and it, it oh it shocked me. I was like, what? And I mean, it really got to me for two reasons. Number one, a major character died. Number two, I know he's not coming back. Right. Or or if he does, it's going to be as a as a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um. In comics, after that death of Superman, they realize they're like, oh wait a second, we can kill characters, and bring them back. Now it's like the Golden Goose. I mean, I could understand it, and there are some cases where it's done incredibly well. Like, there used to be a saying that the only people in comics who stayed dead are Uncle Ben, who's Spider-Man's uncle, and the guy who makes rice. Um, Bucky, who was Captain America's right. sidekick, sidekick yeah. and uh, Jason Todd. Yeah, that's it. I can't even remember. Robin. Oh, Robin. Yeah, yeah. And Bucky and Jason Todd came back, but... Like, the Bucky coming back with the Winter Soldier, the Captain America, I kind of like that story, I have to be honest. And, like, when Colossus came back, it was so well done, but they killed so... I mean, it got so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point where 
I mean, Joe Casada once again, Joe Casada lies. And I, I, I'll say this again and again, and people can get mad at me if I want. He does. He lies. And to give you an example, he's on CNN. So, oh, when Captain America died. That made national news. And he loves getting on CNN and USA Today and spoiling the end of comics that we don't get to buy as normal readers yet. And he goes, oh, yeah, this is permanent. And we're all sitting there. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. And sure enough, it turns out he was shot by a bullet that displaced him in time. <laughs> And they killed Red Skull. Well, guess who's probably going to come back? Oh, yeah. And I remember, like, when, when uh, the Human Torch died. Was that you? I remember when the Human Torch died, and there were stuff. news stories. Every, I mean, news stories and people. And I remember people looking at the timeline and saying, wait a second. They just killed the Human Torch. with a, they, That means that they could go to Fantastic Four 600 in about, you know, this many months and they bring them back. And that's what they did. I remember I tweeted Stephen Wacker, who's like one of the main editors at, at uh, Marvel, too, when they killed uh, Bucky. They killed Bucky in, in a big uh, event, and he has arm ripped off and beaten with it. And uh, they're in the fear itself of it. And I, I tweeted him, I said, I give it six months till he's back. And Stephen Wacker said, who? I haven't read it yet. I just tweeted back and said, you're adorable. Okay. And he came back and at a share, it wasn't a shareholder, it was a creative meeting. It wasn't supposed to leave the room. But some uh, one of their main marketing guys said, we're going to kill a character every quarter. And the room kind of laughed. He said, that's not a joke. And he did that. In fact, Seth, give me a second. Give your thoughts on this for a minute while I look up who said that quote. I want to get their name. Well, going back to your Walking Dead uh, comment, part of the reason that book is so good and part of the reason the show has been successful, the AMC show, mm -hmm. is the fact that we can respect Robert Kirkman, that we can respect the, the, the directors of the show when they, when they tell us no one is safe, and if they die, they're gone. Or zombie. Zombified. That is what makes the, the, that comic so good. The whole, de the whole death and rebirth thing is very frustrating for me in terms of why would I want to read this story? Because it's not going to have the impact that it's been advertised to have. Yeah. I, we see through it as a marketing ploy to sell, to get that temporary spike in issue sales yeah. from the existing customer base. Cause, well, no, because they, they get media attention. They, and they, they get they get yeah. the people who still think comics are going to be worth. Let me let you in on a little secret. They're not going to be worth jack. Okay, no. <laughs> you might get five dollars on the three dollar comic you bought, except for Walking Dead. Oh yeah, Walking Dead's just been Scott. Yeah, those issues are crazy expensive. Yeah, but it's not. And here, okay, it was at the Comics Pro Retailer Summit uh, back in February of 2011. And David Gabriel, Senior Vice President of Sales at Marvel Comics, I'm reading this at BleedingCool.com. But it was all over. Announced as a result of the Fantastic Four sales media coverage. Marvel are going to kill a main character every quarter. And as the room kind of laughed, he just said, this is not a joke. That was not supposed to leave the room. And it did. And of course, you know, they, oh, well, that was taken out of cotton. No, it wasn't. It was just like at the shareholder meeting where they said, we're trying to stretch prices as much as we can to extend profit margins. Same thing here. You know, it wasn't supposed to leave the room. It did. And since the, that quote came out, they do kill a character every quarter. Uh, at the, least uh, <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man the, the death of, death of Spider-Man uh -huh. now he's back as how, how, how many different Spider-Man now wait a second that one though I have to and this is what they've tried to say in the Ultimate Universe which Joe Quesada originally had this role where dead is dead he said you can't bring anybody back 
and then he broke of course it. but they've said in the ultimate universe they're trying to make it like that where people can die and they don't come back and stuff and I actually I like Miles Morales I think not only is he a great character he's different from the other Spider-Man and look I, I, I don't like the whole let's just be diverse for being diverse's sake but he's so well written I think you know it's life life's a lot easier as a white straight christian heterosexual male in this world but if you're a black kid who reads comics it's got to be really cool to see one of the coolest best written heroes right now who's black sure you know and i mean i hate the race card i hate when people do things just for the sake sam, of diversity sam sam, ja- sam jackson is nick fury and and luke cage aside well, yeah. and here's the other thing, though. Bendis, you know, Luke Cage was obviously written almost as an exploitation character, but Bendis made him so cool. Yeah. The, I, I remember one time, you know, I was looking at my little toy collection, which I'm proud of, even though it emasculates me. That's <laughs> so, I mean, And I'm, I've got, like, Black Panther. I've got the Falcon over here. I've been looking for a variant of Luke Cage I can't get. And it just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, you know, I'm not buying these heroes because they're black superheroes. I'm buying them because they're cool heroes. You know, and I mean that's what that's what Bendis did with a lot of those characters and other characters too. He didn't do anything with Falcon, you know. But with a lot of these characters now that are coming out, it's it's not just for diversity. But I think it was really great, you know, like with that Miles Morales thing, you know. And they did kill the regular Spider-Man, and he has been dead. They they've managed to keep that. I look forward to reading uh, about Miles Morales uh, when the Omnibus edition comes out in let's, about five years. Let's not get into this. Seth gets angry about the formatting. He can't get his comics the I'm way a grumpopotamus. Yeah. But, you know, in most cases where you kill off these characters, nobody cares. It's just like relaunching things at number one. It's like, uh-oh, sales are down. We're in issue 14, so no one will pick up issue 15. Let's relaunch at number one. Number one helps, but then we got to go back to the old numbering system, so we have... Six eleven point one. Well, no, then they'll when it gets to like five hundred, they'll. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll go back when it's the anniversary issue. And I mean, that's you know, like three different numbering systems going on. At this I remember point. when a new number one. I mean, that was huge deal. I mean, that was like a new number one. And now, it, in fact, to me, it means a jumping off point. When I'm reading a title and they're like, "We're renumbering," I'm like, "This might be a good time to." And the fact that we're seeing so many fewer ongoing series. Most everything now is like a six-issue arc, or it's a five-issue miniseries. Yeah. So the new number one pops up, it pops up, it pops up all the time, and That's at this point... Said. Sorry. <laughs> a, a number one. Yeah. But I, I just... I don't... The, the whole killing... And, like, with, with Human Torch, I mean, I knew... We all knew they were going to bring him back. Every... It's... Okay, it's like... Do you remember when Joaquin Phoenix pretended to retire from acting? Yeah. Okay, and he said, I'm, I'm starting a rap career, and acted like a lunatic. And everybody, everybody's saying this is fake. We all know it's fake. And him and his, the person who was filming it, um, I forget who his friend was who filmed it, and they were like, oh, no, 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 he's really doing this. He's just having me film it because it's this important. We're all like, no, no, we all know this is fake. Marketing point. And then the movie comes out, and he goes, yeah, we fooled everybody. It's like, no, you didn't. We all knew it was fake. <laughs> Same thing when they kill Human Torch. We're like, you're going to bring him back. Oh, no, he's, he's dead. Yeah. You're going to bring him back. Oh no, he's he's really dead. We fooled you. No, you did. It's like Dale Logan. It's like he was dead. Yeah, yeah. That's a good segue. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm, but I mean, let's uh, terrible character. You know, you had Human Torch. I thought that was terrible. They killed him off. Um, so so ones that were bad, ones that were good. Captain America with Brubaker. Which which Captain America are we talking about? Well, 
his big again. I have the omnibus, so uh, the, so the the death of Captain America. I thought it was a great story. I just thought it was cheap how Casada gets on you know CNN and everything. Sure. Oh, yeah, so I, for me, as long as it's a good story, but it makes it so there's no consequence. I mean, I don't care when they say this character could fall. It's like no, they won't. But if there if there is a there, Grant, there's no new ideas under the sun really anymore. It most every everything's been done, but if there's a good way to bring a character back, ha- have there been any stories like that in your mind? Well, yeah, like I think when they brought Colossus back, I think when uh, Brubaker brought Bucky uh, back, Astonishing X Men. Yeah, I think yeah. when and and I mean I think it's okay to do one. So I'm not saying don't resurrect anybody, but this whole kill, kill a character every quarter thing. When you make it sound like such a financial decision, it <laughs> well, it's so routine. I mean, no one. No one's going to stay dead. Like as far as comic book writing has come in, in, ter- in terms of the past, I think, 15 years, once the, the 90s speculation bubble crashed when story didn't matter, yeah. uh, you know, since you know, Bendis helped launch the Ultimate line, we've seen this growth of respect for the art form of mm-hmm. storytelling he, this whole death resurrection thing just seems to just cheapen. It, it just kind of it flies right in the face of, yeah. of good storytelling. When you're forcing, it's like we have to kill this person. It's like well, why? Yeah, you know all this, all, all this uh, story arc, everything that we've developed in these previous stories. Not why force that point if the story isn't naturally leading to it. Yeah. And that's a big problem I have with the events. Well, and let me tell you, if you want great story, to, and if you're thinking it's like, well, how do you tell a great story? Um, Dan Slott right now, Amazing Spider-Man, tells great stories every month and it's not based on character death he's had like a couple of major i mean he's been writing for a long time so he's had a couple of major character deaths but he i mean his main he hasn't killed off spider-man brought him back killed him off brought him back uh mark wade right now on daredevil that is fantastic stuff not based on character death but i feel like we're getting into the angry territory of the podcast where it's not as <laughs> <laughs> people will say like you're you're me so people listening are going (laughs) so ah you can wake up that's a good segue why don't you why don't you tell your your uh why don't you tell your story we're gonna talk about some dale stories real quick uh then after that we'll answer a few we'll uh we'll answer a few reader questions we'll have to pause for a minute to get those but um why don't you go ahead and tell we're gonna talk about some times that dale Potentially saved our lives or endangered it. We're gonna go with uh, in, in driving. We're gonna go. Yeah, with... the, yeah. These these stories center around uh, Dale's perplexing ability to drive recklessly uh, in whatever conditions uh, pose themselves. Dale, my freshman year in college, took me to the Bach factory. Now, the Bach factory is where trumpets, trombones, and and other fine instruments are made, and it's up in Elkhart, Indiana. That's about a a 10-hour drive from Lexington. Mm -hmm. Dale is a Bach clinician, and this is one of the ways that he actually did help his students out because being a Bach clinician meant you got special pricing on the instruments. So, because... 
he went with me to the Bach factory. I was able to get an appointment, try out horns, and pick the one that I wanted and uh, not have to pay full price for it. Well, our journey, our 10-hour drive to the, to the Bach factory, started with just me and just Dale in my car for about 10 hours driving north from Lexington up through Indianapolis up to the Bach factory. We left after school, so we get to Elkhart pretty late. The whole car ride, Dale is talking about, "Uh, you know, yeah, trombone day coming up. We got, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I got all this paperwork to do. (laughs) I got, and I have a 12 disc changer in my car, (laughs) and it's loaded up with as much variety as I can think of to keep me interested. And so the funk, you know, Tower of Power co- comes on, and Dale's like, oh, oh, this is killer. Oh, listen to those licks. <laughs> and then past that, once once we got all the way through and Tower of Power came on again, that's when I started to to really tire yeah. of, of, of the drive. And I drove the whole way. Dale offered. He's like, oh, if you need me to drive, yeah, I can drive. But oh, yeah, you never sure. let Dale. Yeah, Dale's. You'll see with my story. Dale, you don't let Dale drive. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, never, never let Dale drive. So we get to to Elkhart. We check into. We we agreed to split a hotel, a, a motel room. So we pulled into this motel. I am so nervous at this point. Like it's just an awkward situation. Yeah. Dale and I are sharing. Not not a bed. We're not sharing a bed. We're sharing a room in two separate beds. I didn't want to have cuddle time with Dale at this point. <laughs> we're we're sharing a, a room together. I get maybe two hours of sleep. I I remember going to bed, laying in bed, and looking over, and Dale gets up out of bed to go to the shower to start the day. I just I remember that, and Dale is wearing colored whitey tidies grippies. And dark socks. <laughs> Dale wore doc- dark socks constantly. <laughs> we don't matter. know why. Like it didn't matter where you were, what kind of setting. Casual, if you took Dale to the beach, he'd be wearing dark socks. Dark socks and, and his fedora and a swimsuit. That's <laughs> frisbee. Oh god. Uh, so I think I got two hours of sleep. We, Dale gets up, goes to the shower. We go to the Bach factory, I had a 10 a.m. appointment. Get that squared away, I, I picked out a nice horn, was able to bring it back with me. And so, a 10-hour drive one, the first day, and then a 10-hour drive back the next day. And this was on, uh, we left Friday, and then came back Saturday. So, we start the drive back, and I going off two hours sleep. Once we hit Indianapolis... I start to nod off at the wheel. <laughs> I, I remember driving through six lanes of traffic in the middle of rush hour in Indianapolis, going through the city, and I start to kind of nod off, and I and and all of a sudden I hear, ah, and he starts shaking me, he's shaking my arm, and, I, and that's all it takes is just that one. Yeah, that one time that you actually fall is like, oh, oh, oh I'm done. I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready to go. Uh, do you need me to drive? Well, it, just, it, it happened a second time. So I thought you said all it took was one. No, no, yeah, it, it, it happened a second time. Uh, 
and he, the second time he was even more emphatic about it. That's mm-hmm. so I I start nodding off again, and I and I can almost feel myself drifting into into traffic, and that's what he does. Uh, do you need me to drive? <laughs> yeah, it's like we almost died. I'm sure of it. But the last thing I wanted to see, if the last thing I ever saw was Dale's beady little eyes and glasses looking at me before I died, <laughs> that would be the worst, worst vision ever. That'd be pretty terrible. All right, so this is mine. Is one time we had a we were driving uh, to a trombone choir gig, um, trombone choir. We'd play at different schools. Trombone choir. And uh, I was in the car. I remember me and Kate Shannon was the princess of the trombone series. Gorgeous girl played trombone. You wouldn't believe it. She was. And me and Kate were sitting back there. And Dale, like, we we made a pact with each other. Like, we're both going to fall asleep and not let him talk to us the whole time. So we fell asleep. I remember, like, we both talked about how we'd be mad because he'd be, "Eh, that suggests a stereo. But, like, the the stereo behind us, like, all loud. We were just, we just kept our eyes closed. Like, no, we are not. We are not going to let him wake us. And I real, I like, I really did fall asleep. As I'm asleep, I, I hear this. I hear, wake up, wake up, and Dale's shaking me. I wake up. I'm like, what? He goes, where are we? Now, I, if any of you know me personally, I'm terrible with directions anyway. But that was not my job to know directions. No one in their right mind would give me that job. No directions. I didn't. You know, I think Dale, my job Dale was notorious for always asking for a navigator. Yeah, he always had to. Have I think my job was like loading, like the. Dat machine or whatever. So anyway, I'm uh, I'm, I'm sitting there. He goes, "Where are we?" And I go, "I, I don't know." He goes, "Why don't you have a map?" Again, well, this is before cell phones had like all the GPS. Yeah. So I'm looking at him like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. He goes, "Well, you should, you should have got one. It's on my door," which is just like his. And I, I went back. Like it was not on his door. He just, he just when he freaks out, he falls back on the. Someone was supposed to do this. Yeah, you were so, supposed to do it, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, I'm sitting here, I'm like, wait, what? And as I'm saying this, and, and Dale's having this argument, I, I guess it's an argument, because I'm mostly just going, what? what? He starts to turn onto the interstate. Now, he's on an on-ramp, and Steve, who was in the front seat, was like, Dale, he's the navigator, he has the map, he goes, Dale, I've been trying to tell you, which I... I understand. Like, sometimes you'll try to talk to Dale and be like, eh, 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 and you can't get a word in. Steve's like, I've been trying to tell you, we shouldn't get off here. We were on the correct road. The school is right up that way. And Dale's like, oh, okay. Now, <laughs> you're on the interstate on-ramp. You figure, okay, well, I should do it. Dale U-turns, like does a Dukes of Hazard spin out, and we're screaming, okay, all of us, ah! And Dale, ah! And we're all like, oh, my God. Was this a van? Was no, this is in a car. Okay, yeah. yeah, he does a U-turn on an on-ramp, comes back down, is driving on the road. We're like, Dale, what are you doing? And then there's a Dairy Queen. We're pulling over. He goes, Oh, <laughs> you think that's you think that's bad? Watch this! It starts doing donuts. <laughs> donuts he does. Yeah. He does a well. I said donuts. He does one full donut in a Dairy Queen parking lot in the middle of a day. Like, <laughs> comes around. It, oh, it was terrible. This was the guy who would always tell who would tell you, hey, your speedometer's wrong. Yeah, this is the guy who's mad at me for farting, but our lives in danger twice doing that. Oh, gosh. All right, um, we're going to take a few of your questions. So, That's the end of Dale's stories. So remember, if you want to send your questions to us, it's time for questions. All right, and... 
It's either questions at ramblingbeachcat.com or questions at ramblingbeachcast.com. Either one will work. First question is from Amanda. <laughs> she asks, how bad was that fart last episode? Uh, the first thing is, is you know, we, we assure you, that was that fart, if you heard last episode's happen on air, we heard that boom. That was real. It was absolutely real. We ate all-you-can-eat shrimp at Gilligan's that day. Yes. Um, usually Seth and I are going to be doing these podcasts. We're in the same room now. Usually we're going to be doing them online. He lives. We live on opposite coasts. We're separated. Our love is separated by miles of American heartland. We are star-crossed. Yeah. But he was here visiting me in Charleston. We ate all-you-can-eat shrimp at Gilligan's, which was great. And he ripped. I mean, it was it was awful. I, I It could not... The timing... Of everything, that whole sequence could not have been planned. Yeah, it, it it was absolutely perfectly awful. Yeah, it was bad. It was. I mean, when Seth said you're gonna chew on that one, it was. Yeah, I told I told you. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna chew on this pretty soon. Yeah, and then it hit me, and it was almost like you could tell as as things were progressing the 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 wave, this tidal wave of fragrance. That first hit me, and then immediately hit you, yeah, and then eventually hit Joe across the table. That's because you were waving your hands. I did. I wafted it in his general direction, and then Joe went off. Yeah, and that's the sole reason why Joe is not with us right now. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> He's suffering this, nasal cavity spasms. This question is obviously someone we don't know. A lot of questions for you, Troy. Why does your podcast suck? It's from Troy. Um, it does. We, it, yeah, it does suck. That's something I think about a lot, actually. But somehow it's, we overcome it. Yeah, I actually, Seth and I discussed that. We thought, okay, well, this podcast isn't going to suck. This is going to be one where we really hit our stride. Four episodes in, I don't think we've gotten there yet. I have no idea who you are or what I'm doing here. Yeah, it's at it's, least we're not blowing. Oh, okay. I'd rather suck than blow. Yeah, but I mean, we really, we, we Troy, we agree. That was another real point. Going back to the we first agree, question. Yeah, we agree with you, Troy, and thank you still for listening, though. Because you what? would not know how bad it sucks. Because if you just why, said, are, why are you still listening, Troy? Huh? Yeah. Tell me that. that. Yeah. Idiot. But he's one of our, like, our ten listeners. Yeah, I just alienated no, no, our yeah, listeners. You just, you just took away ten percent of our audience. Okay. <laughs> Troy is probably our mom. Sorry, yeah. sorry, mom. <laughs> Like, I'll call myself Troy. I want to support the podcast by sending questions. Yeah. Why yeah. is it so terrible? Why didn't I use birth control? <laughs> My son is also an idiot. That was your mom. Okay. Um, Jack, who is actually a former student of mine, uh, he asked, what is the stupidest thing a middle school student has ever done? And this is a true story. I wrote about it on my blog. This happened. I had a student named Luke. And <laughs> Luke. Luke's a great kid. Uh, I say kid now, but he's like 19. 18? I don't know. Anyway, Luke was being a spaz like most middle school boys can be. He was a trombone player. And he was spinning around in the band room like a helicopter. And the music stand caught him on the arm. And from what, I mean, me and a lot of people saw this. From what we could tell, the music stand caught his arm and it looked like the it threw him to the ground. Like it, it, he fell and the music stand went boom right on top of him. And everyone busts out laughing. I did too. I checked to make sure he was okay after laughing for about thirty. Yeah. So as one as one. That joke went on in the band for a year. I mean, that happened when he was like in sixth or seventh grade, and it went on the whole time he was there. And I mean, I even made a sign in my office window that said "Music Stand One, Luke Zero. People laughing about it, making fun of it. So anyway, one day 
Um, I also, in addition to teaching band, I would teach music appreciation, which is... Oh, but anyway, I had Luke and 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 one of my favorite kids of all time, Adrian, who was in my uh, music appreciation class. And for that class, unlike band, it's like a normal class where kids come in and sit down. But I don't have desks, so I have to use the music stands. So Adrian walks in along with Luke, and in the back of my band room, there's a bunch of music stands. And Adrian says, "Hey, Mister N, Mister Nafliotis, they called me Mister N because my last name sounds like a blood disease." The names like, we yeah. called you in college. Yeah. Like, hey, Mister N. You see all those music stands back there? It's like they're all talking about how they're going to beat up Luke after class. <laughs> Luke's just saying, he goes, guys, this is stupid. And he plops down, puts his arm on the music stand. He goes, it's a music stand. I didn't get beaten up by it. I tripped and it fell down. Music stands, uh, like this whole thing, it, it's stupid. We're like, Luke, we all know what happened. We saw it. We saw you get beat up by a music stand. He says, "Miss Adrian, Nick, you all are, are stupid. Music stands don't beat people up. Right when he said that, his elbow slipped, and the music stand flew up and went gong against his chin and knocked him back. <laughs> I mean, it perfectly ties. Music stands don't be- beat people up. Flip, boom, and knocked him out. And so we enjoyed that. <laughs> can, All right. I, can I tell my my story about uh, stupid thing a middle schooler's done? Which, I don't know if this is appropriate for air. Which one? It's okay. Yeah. Okay. I most of my dealings with students are on a private lesson basis. You deal that with... didn't make it sound appropriate. <laughs> or a private no, no, this is this is pr- this is appropriate. It's I drive, awkward. I drive my, my ice cream truck around. <laughs> and my my pet van patrols <laughs> the neighborhood. For... <laughs> All right, go. No, this it, it, this is awkwardly appropriate. So I, I teach private lessons in low brass, and I had a, a student named Matt who is a wonderful kid. He was adopted. He was ADHD. Look, he's adopted. He couldn't have been that great. Someone, <laughs> someone had to be like, I don't want this. <laughs> the, <laughs> Throw him out. The ADHD and tuba playing was too much. Yeah. <laughs> All right, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. But yeah, he his he said his parents, uh, his mom set up lessons for me. And you know those times where you think that parents are setting up lessons just as a means of daycare, just to get their kid out of the house yes. for an hour. And well, I got set up to go to this to matt's house so i show up to his house for the the first lesson and this guy was the student was contracted by a church that i that i taught at i go to his house for his first lesson his mom opens the door oh hello seth come on in and down through the open doorway i see this flash just and it's matt in his adhd wonderful self running from one end of the house to the other. I got this, I got this. He gets his tubas laying on the ground. He gets in there, and I come walking in, my normal, calm teacher self, and he comes running right up to my face. Seth, 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 I got hot fries. And he shows me this bag, this giant bag of half-eaten hot fries that he's just been, and it's all over his face. I said, (laughs) Nice to meet you, Matt. I'm Seth. Now you're going to go brush your teeth and we're going to play some tuba. <laughs> yeah. Matt, after that lesson, we, we worked it out to where he would come to the uh, to the church uh, where I was teaching. Matt's typical wardrobe consisted of gym shorts and an Under Armour t-shirt. Yeah. That's all he ever wore. <laughs> and he did play football. He played sports and everything. He comes... Run! I'm in mean, this big sanctuary. Comes running down the front aisle with his tube. I'm like, that case is not going to hold. And his mom is 
quietly coming down, but back you know behind him down with the, the aisle with the aura of a parent who's given up. Just <laughs> like I'm not yeah, going to try yeah, to do exactly. this anymore. Thank God he's here for an, for the next forty five minutes, so yeah. I can retain some sanity. His, his mom was great. His kids were great. Uh, his kids were great. He didn't her, sorry, sorry. Okay. Matt was great. <laughs> um, so Matt comes running down with his tools. He's wearing uh, these those you know pull away gym pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the snaps in his Under Armour shirt. So that's that. I I gotta go to the bathroom, and so off in the sanctuary to one side is the vestry. That's where the restroom was, and you just unlock the door. And I'm I'm saying, okay, Matt, let's go to the vestry. And sorry, you know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Trust me, the this, ice cream truck. Let's go to the vestry. Better. Okay, it gets better. Okay, it gets better. <laughs> So he's he's, he's <laughs> Seth, Seth, I'm going to the Suns game. I live in Phoenix. I go to the Suns game. I go see Steve Nash. He's the three. And he goes, I got my I got my Steve Nash uniform on. You want to see it? And we're walking back to this dark room. We're like Matt, Matt, no, no. And he just rips his pants off <laughs> to show his uniform to me. His mom's just standing there. It's <laughs> like Matt. Now, that's wonderful, Matt. Now you go use the restroom. I go back to his mom. I like, I'm sorry, ma'am. That is the first time I've ever had a student rip his clothes off in the vestry. Uh, and <laughs> and she, it won't be the last. And, yeah, she <laughs> said, said, well, Matt, it will be one of many firsts. I'm oh. like, oh, that's, that's a little creepy. <laughs> Very. All right. Our next question here is from Tom. He asked, was that the real fake Lou Holtz? I guess he's talking about two episodes ago. You realize that question, Tom, is contradictory. Was that the real fake Lou Holtz? <sighs> Idiot. Yeah, and also, if you followed fake Lou Holtz on Twitter, at fake Lou Holtz KSR, you would realize when he said that he was going to be on the show. There are many fake Lou Holtzes. That was the fake Lou Holtz, except no imitations. Yes, so stupid question, Tom. Uh, final one, Sharon asks, why are you guys, this one we're going to have to be careful how we answer, why are you guys so mean to Joe? Well, first of all, the fact that you were willing to call him by name, that's... It took us a while. We, we used to just call him, like, it. Or hey, you. You, yeah. Manslave. We finally graduated letting him have a name, eventually. Yeah. But it, we would change it to, like, Budimus Prime and all those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Booty Tank. Yeah. But, uh, Joe, why are we so... You know, you would think it would drive him away. But, like, for instance, tonight, Seth was only in town for a couple of nights... And uh, Joe found out, his, Seth's mom was kind enough to take me and my wife and Seth out to dinner. And Joe found out and threw a hissy fit. He did. I, I sent him a, a message saying, Joe, we're getting something for dinner. We're at Home Team Barbecue. Meet us at Nick's house. I'm in, and and I'm in I town didn't for invite Joe because Seth's mom insisted on paying. You know, she's like, I'm taking you out for dinner. You, you have my son down in Charleston. I, you know, she's like, I'm taking you out for dinner. I thought it would be rude. To say, okay, well, let me add another if you're paying. Let me bring my middle school classroom. Yeah, Yeah, so it's like, let me... So, you know, I figured it'd be rude to say that. You know, so I I figured, well, we'll just all go out. I mean, Seth Seth and I go out. I mean, Joe threw it. He's like, oh, you didn't want me to come? You You didn't want to invite me? And we're like, no. After I explained it to him, he was a little less pissy about it. But does that sound like someone who doesn't enjoy the abuse? Sure. He showed up. For yogurt. Yeah, he, he waited that's for not us. code for... No, yeah, that's not code. He actually did show up for yogurt. TCBY yogurt. He sat at TCBY and waited for us for like 20 minutes. Yeah. So does that sound... Now, we think it's a, it's a version of Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. He's, he he's keeps finally... coming back for... Now, I love that when you ask him to do something, he's always like, I've got work. 
at noon yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, he has 10. to be at work at like 11, but he's like, I have to go to bed. And then I send him a message. The one night, get over here, and he's on his way. He's like, I'll be it'll, it'll take me 30 minutes. I was like, that's acceptable. I want Seth one time to be like, it'll take you 10. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> try and he, and he showed up in that gym outfit that was totally uh, yeah, he, he, inappropriate. That's the other thing. is he, he wore gym pants, and he didn't think we would pants him. And sure enough, as, as he walked in the door. <laughs> like, I told him, I said, where's that prom dress I bought you? I know. Why aren't you wearing that? So Sharon... I understand that we're not... Does this sound... I mean, he doesn't seem to have a problem with it, so why do you, Sharon? He keeps, you? he keeps coming back. Yeah. So, if Joe doesn't have a problem with it, Sharon, then you should just mind your own business. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you once again. This is our fourth episode. You're going to notice us being a little bit... Yeah, a little bit more topical. We've been kind of recording these to stock up because a lot of iTunes stuff dies after... But there's a lot of one-episode podcasts. <laughs> they die. So, we want to make sure we got... You know, and if you notice, the quality has become more tolerable, hopefully. Let us know if we go from suck to blow. Yeah, if it's really bad. If it goes to atrocious. Yeah, so Troy, if you're still listening, if you'll... <laughs> Nick's mom, quote, quote. Yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll, please, uh, you'll please let us well, you please let us know if it gets even worse. If people think we suck, I can deal with that, because we know that. But if We're it doing really this for ourselves, bad, yeah. really. Not for the fame. Oh, that makes one of us. I'm here. I'm here to get famous. I want. I want. I expect us to do a podcast one day with women feeding us grapes. That's. What... I want to be interviewed by Bob Costas. Yeah, I want Jenna Marbles to to ask me how it's done. Become an internet superstar. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Jenna Marbles, I, I love you. You're great. I ho- um, I hope that we get some attractive women to uh, to do interviews with us on the podcast. For the sole purpose of having attractive women well, do interviews with us on the podcast. Your mom's in town. Why don't we just get her over here? You always said she looked like Hillary Duff for some Hillary reason. Hillary Duff is attractive! I, I know, but it's mom! We went to school in Kentucky. All right, before this goes off track, let's, uh, we'll go ahead and sign off. But again, if you have, ale eight. If you, yeah, we're drinking Ale 8, the but soft the, drink of uh, choice in Kentucky. I, I cannot express how thrilled I was when I showed up and there were four six packs of AL8 sitting on the counter and he's like you want one if you are not from Kentucky you've never had AL8 you've got it's the best soda it's like ginger ale but I can't describe it it's I amazing. had three of these and I, I it's only distributed regionally you can't I cannot buy this in Phoenix you can get it shipped but it costs like yeah, it does it costs an arm and a leg yeah so I, I remember it was I think two years ago this is the sound of two AL8 glasses Oh, Hear that? That's too L.A. You have to get it in a glass bottle. You can't get it in a can. Two, year, two years ago, uh, one of my friends who lives in Phoenix brought back some L.A. with him and gave me three of them, and I rationed them. I was like, I'm <laughs> having one for my birthday. I'm having one <laughs> for the Kentucky-Tennessee game. And I, I, That's so much better than me because I'm going to go through those four and, like, like, two days. Well, yeah. Suck it down, man. Well, Enjoy it while I can. Yeah, and my wife... You know, she had to go up to Kentucky. She brings it back. Oh, love it. Okay. But we'll be back on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, next week with our fifth episode. And that'll be our first one, I think, that we'll have to have done. Football's getting close, baby. Yeah, yeah. So I'm ready. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be, because we'll have a lot more while preseason stuff going on with NFL, we'll have all that type of stuff. So we can talk a little more sports. If you don't like sports, skip ahead to the geek stuff. If you don't like geek stuff, skip ahead to the Dale questions and stories. And if you don't like any of it, thank you, Mom, for both of us for still yeah. listening. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. but the rest of you, I don't know. If you have Dale stories that you would like us to recount, because some of you have some inside knowledge of, of these stories, let us know because we want to have your your story be told. Yeah, Dale, uh, like Dale stories are great. Me and Seth eventually will run out. It'll be a while. We'd like to. So if you have Dale stories, we'd like to tell. All right. Well, thank you again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Come on. <laughs>